Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios in Knoxville, it's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Here are your hosts, John Reed and Bob Baskerville. Back in the booth, back on the airwaves, coming at you live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. John Reed, Bob Baskerville, Sam Beard. Happy Wednesday morning to you. If you are a parent with kids in the Knoxville City School Systems, you're probably about to lose your mind, but hopefully we can help you over the next couple of hours. Good morning. Bob, how are you? I'm good. It's getting warmer, man. Feels good. About ready to wear shorts. Well, maybe not that, but it does feel a lot better than it did a few days ago, i got to say. Well, 59. You, you guys told me I was supposed to get up close to, to 59 or 60 today. That might as well be 100 after the last couple weeks. So you're not far off with the shorts comment. I guarantee you there will be some people wearing shorts. Oh, guarantee. for sure. I, I, would bet, I would bet a good amount of money that – Two of the three members of the G.I. Jake show after us will be wearing shorts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, you'll, you will, predicting it right now, mark it down, you'll see somebody in town with, with drives a convertible with their top down. Guaranteed. Okay. I'll trust you on that one. Maybe I, not, either today or tomorrow. Guaranteed. I, I'm not going to go that far, but I'm willing to guarantee that both Jake and Marcus show up oh, that's in a, shorts. Yeah, bet the house, man. I would uh, bet my life that Marcus shows up in shorts. Yes. Yeah. 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 And Jake was in shorts like two days ago or whatever, Monday. So, like, I'm willing to say that, yes, you will see some shorts out for sure. I'm not wearing them in the morning. I still got my snow boots on, and I still got my, my sweats and hoodie on. So, hopefully I can get home and change before it gets 60 degrees. But you're doing good today? I'm good, man. How about you? So far, so good for me. What about you, Sam? I'm feeling pretty solid today. Both of you guys are good. A little tired this morning, but okay. I'm I'm doing well. I we had a, we t- we took a tough loss last That's night. That's what I was gonna say. I'm surprised <laughs> that you're both able to uh, come in here and be chipper and be so positive after your Kentucky Wildcats got got their ass beat, got exposed, and yeah. your boy Big Zedi, who you guys told me, oh, Big Zedi, the future of the sport. Look at him. He he's changing the game. I, I checked that he had one point. For a good portion of the game. He finished with three. Yeah. Uh, he only yeah. got ten minutes. I don't know what the deal was yeah. there, but uh just didn't match up well. Turns out he might not be the uh, the wooden award winner that you guys played him up to be after one game. How how Big ZD was going to come in here and, and change the SEC race Wait, and change the race. You're mixing, you're mixing yeah. this Kentucky guy and Zach Eady right together. Yeah. No, 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 I'm just Big calling ZD. him Big Z. I don't know how to say his name. I so, thought you said Big ZD. Yeah. Well, I am calling him Big ZD. <laughs> he's not Italian. Yeah, well, he's not Italian, but he's from he's from Europe. He's over there. He's Big ZD as far as I'm concerned. Because he's not Big Z. He proved that last night. <laughs> Lil Z. He can be Lil Z, I guess. He's not Big Z. We, are, we, have, we have Lil Z, though. Zadrunas so, Ogalskis is rolling over in his grave after watching that performance last night. We, yeah. No, no. I, 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 he might be, but uh, no. Um, and speaking of, you you, you did uh, somehow Edie got slipped in there 
two quick observations because I watched some of that Purdue-Michigan game last night on Peacock, which is starting to piss me off now. <laughs> it's like it's just the convenience of it. I've got that, it. That's all it is. You can't yeah. You can't change channels on it. No, exactly. You, you, so, can't, you can't surf, and that's uh, why I've never cut the cord. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Purdue rolled over Michigan. Uh, Olivier Kamwa did a typical Olivier Kamwa big game like almost no points you know felt like felt like old times watching that but it was a route and purdue brings in this guy i totally forgot about he's a sophomore seven foot two name is will berg from like sweden or something they found him another we big have giant another one freak. yeah that's all they do <laughs> man purdue scout that just walks around in villages looking for looking for giants to play basketball they found him another one they had that isaac haas guy a few years before oh, uh, yeah, i remember that weird yeah one. yeah they get they they definitely bring in the big the big guys um so anyway i don't to be fair to olivier Kumwa, i don't think any michigan basketball game this year is a big game no, I I would agree. That's uh, so, so saying it disappeared in a big game. I saw they were seven and twelve. I don't I don't think they have any big games up there. I, I wonder if he regrets his decision because the first couple of games of the year, you know, he was balling out. You're like, okay, maybe he made the right decision. This is going to work out for both parties. Tennessee's going to be able to kind of modernize their offense and and get two bigs off the court. Because I mean, I, I don't think there's a Tennessee basketball fan. No matter how negative some of them are, and and they want to find things to complain about. Are there any Tennessee fans out there complaining about Olivier Cumwell leaving now? Because, you know, it seems to be one of those blessings. I don't, I don't even know if I would say in disguise because some people are like, hey, this is good when it happened. But now, I mean, when you see the way the team has played without him and the way it's modernized its offense, it, it seems like maybe the best thing that's ever happened to Rick Barnes. Yeah, my my point on Cumwell was he's actually – Good morning. We have seen a couple of – Going into uh, last – Last night's game, he was averaging seventeen and seven, Just and with no impact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But in a game, you're playing number two team in the country. You would think, you know, you want to try to show out. He, he was, he was not. He, he didn't. It's. Uh, it just felt like kind of his greatest hits. You know, where he he would tease us, have a great game, and then have five duds. And I, I don't miss that. Although I will say, in case he's listening. Thank, thank you. you for the Duke performance. Yeah, the Duke performance was epic. <laughs> yeah. I will say that. Th- thank you for the Duke performance and, and the Texas performance. Uh, I believe that was the other game he had, 24 or so, and just kind of dominated that game. So, uh, What's the deal with Jawan Howard over there? It seems like he's just counting the days till he gets his buyout. So That's what it seems say. like to me. Yeah, I think time's ticking, man. Yeah, the Fab Five showed up last week, the whole, you know, or the Fab Four with him making it the Fab Five. To watch them play Ohio State, and it was you know clearly a show of support, but uh, because they interviewed those guys afterwards, and Weber was like, "Yeah, you know, we're here to support our guy Jawan," and you know, so he's he's definitely feeling the heat. I guarantee it. I think it was more of a hey, this is going to be one of our last chances to all get together. <laughs> yeah, at Michigan because Jawan's probably not going to want to come back after he gets fired. Yeah, and for him, I mean, I would say it was the the John Beeline culture finally eroding away like I think he he was in a good position taking over for him and, and kind of had a good setup and was able to kind of ride that the first couple of years and then it just all of a sudden you looked around and you're like wait I'm the coach now now I have to do this kind of like Larry Coker at Miami in the early 2000s where he's able to come in and yeah, yeah the talent and the culture there and the systems there you come in you you win a national championship you win some games and then all of a sudden wait I have to do this now I have to go out and actually build this program and keep it running and and Juwan didn't seem to be able to do that. And, you know, it's 
it's kind of surprising that he's still the coach after you know punching the you know, getting into the fights a couple of years ago and getting suspended and like you know the fact they weren't very good last year either. You would think they would have moved on from him by now, but uh, it does seem like it's it's coming um, this season. You brought up Beeline, man. I, I I loved watching those Michigan teams that he coached. I mean, except when they played Tennessee and beat them by thirty in the tournament. Yeah, but. but Man, that that was just beautiful basketball. The way he he had that op, offense humming. That's uh, it's too bad he decided to take a leap at the NBA. I felt that thing was doomed from the start. Or play, or or, or, or beat Tennessee by a couple points on a miss block call in Indianapolis. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We beat her ass in two thousand what eleven. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, the two thousand fourteen miss block call that one hurt too. Sure did. That probably hurt more. But I do like how you immediately deflected to Purdue, which got us to Michigan, to get away from your Kentucky Wildcats. I just want you to know that was noted. And and your boy, Sam Reeves, who you said is just as good as Doc Connect, a big 6-for-18 last night. Good job by him. I said his numbers. 15 points. Good, good job by him. He's, he's Doc Connect Jr. out there. Hey, the, the only thing I'm worried about is – we're we're gonna face a wounded animal in about a week. That's my only concern up in Lexington. That that's you know because Cal will get them rallied again. The 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 analytics, the numbers would tell you that they're due a big regression. They've been kind of getting by, kind of like Memphis. Memphis was another team that you looked at, and their records way better than their actual production. And you saw Memphis immediately drop two games, and you know kind of come back down to earth. Kentucky was similar. You know, they were hyped up and, and talked about among the elite SEC teams, but their actual products didn't quite match that. The, the numbers were saying, hey, this team's a little bit on borrowed time. And then, yeah, of course, they come out and get absolutely smacked by South Carolina last night. And you look up at Kentucky, you know, 2-2 two and two against quad one with a quad three loss. They, uh, I guess it hasn't been updated from South Carolina game, but they came in and got right out of the gym. And their defense is a problem, man. Their defense can't, their their defense can't get stops. And and last night their offense wasn't up to the task of going, you know, bucket for bucket. And that's something in the SEC I think they're going to struggle with is going bucket for bucket. But to you know your point, maybe next week going into Rupp. That'll be one of their good offensive games, and it'll be one of their desperate games and one of their get-right, try-to-fix-thing games. But at South Carolina last night, you know, South Carolina was getting whatever they wanted, just wide-open threes and getting to the rim and made it look easy. Are you buying South Carolina as a threat now? Because that's, you know, Tennessee playing them in the upcoming upcoming week. Do you buy South Carolina as a threat? I was impressed with them last night. Um, I watched a fair amount of that game, and – Calipari, <laughs> Calipari said that's the best defense in the SEC, which I was like, eh, really? I mean, they're they're like, you know, 60th in Ken Palm. I mean, they played great D, though, last night, for sure. Shut down one of the highest scoring teams in the country. Um, I'm very impressed just by listening to him watch. It's the first time I've paid any attention to Lamont Paris, but it seems like he's got he's in full control with that team. You can see it. Very poised, very confident. Team reflects that that vibe. Um, he's two and zero against Cal too, not for nothing. So um, I I think 
you know, that's one of the questions we'll ask our guests later. Chris Dorch is, does, does this, you know, does the big three we've been talking about kind of become the big four, at least perceptually off the heels of that win? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going that far with South Carolina as a big four. To me, that's more of uh, maybe if you're talking about big three, I would say maybe you subtract one and it's just Tennessee versus Auburn this year is maybe the bigger takeaway. I'm not saying South Carolina belongs in that conversation, but I, I do think that they have now – they're now going to be a bubble team. Like they're now going to be in the NCAA tournament yeah. conversation moving forward. They, you know, are are going to ride off that Kentucky win, a, a top ten win, a quad one win. That that gives them some legitimacy, and it makes that sixteen and three record look more legitimate. Yeah, the rest of their schedule, their wins have been. There's not been any anything near a signature win. That right. was it. That was it last night. So, but but that legitimizes them. Absolutely. That, that legitimizes them. And, you know, they got four quad two wins. So, like, you know, you got five in the uh, one and two range, which, you know, is actually, I believe, uh, more than Kentucky has. So, like, you know, their resume is actually better than Kentucky's if you look at it. And they beat them head to head. But in the sense of we've talked about the last four games for Tennessee, which I think are, are going to determine – Seeding in the SEC tournament, the SEC regular season championship race, and Tennessee's quest for a one seed. When you look at those last four games, those final four games, you, you have to go to South Carolina, squeezed in between a trip to Alabama and a home game against Kentucky. So that becomes another big test, but it also becomes another big opportunity because, you know, if Tennessee, you know, goes three and one in those last four, that should go a long way to, you know, locking in their their resume because you have four quad one opportunities right now as you as it stands in your last four games in conference play which is going to be tough when it comes to holding off auburn you know and winning the regular season championship but it's a big opportunity yeah it, it reinforces what happened last night just reinforces what we've been saying already and that is it is absolutely hell to win on the road in this conference it's not easy um and you think about tennessee's road games obviously we've talked about Kentucky, but they've still got to go to A and M, to South Carolina, to Alabama. Um, you know, there's there's some there's some tough ones ahead that you've got to be on your game. There's no gimmies except for Vanderbilt, I'd say. Yeah, which you know, that's that's your next one. So hopefully you uh, don't stub your toe and you come in very focused after a, a week off. But talking some Tennessee basketball, we had a uh, texter buddy moment yesterday from Danny White as he finally loses his cool at, at Tennessee Twitter uh, that, that keeps tweeting him complaints and suggestions. He finally said, okay, let's address this and had a little bit of a, what, I, what seemed like to me a little bit of a blow up. Good for him though, man. It's like, I, I was okay with it, honestly. There's so many uh, professional opinions on all this stuff. It's like, uh, I, I, I get it. We'll get into that and the business of sports after the break. Stick with us. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning. We have seen a couple of accidents out here the last 15, 20 minutes as that traffic starts to really pick up in South Knoxville. Coming inbound on Chapman Highway towards the Henley Street Bridge, still holding up down I-75 out of Campbell County, Anderson County, all the way down to Merchants Road. Already a little bit of traffic volume there at Emory Road right at I-75 there in the Powell community. Hey, Cadenza European Auto Service, experts on BMWs and all European makes never pay dealership rates ever again. Google Cadenza European Auto Service. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. 
Are you ready to make your dream home a reality? Hi, I'm Bo Kregner, and here at the Kregner Group at Realty Executives, we know that finding the perfect home is more than just a transaction. It's about finding your sanctuary, your future, your happiness. Our team is dedicated to guiding you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and stress-free journey towards home ownership. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing, we're here to help. Call me anytime at 865-742-1035 or just visit us online at bonoshouses.com. Attention service members and veterans, introduce... Back in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, toast to Kentucky losing, despite how sad it made Sam and Bob. <laughs> and when you do toast, toast with some White Claw Hard Seltzer. They got a whole bunch of stuff you can try. They even got now the, the non-alcoholic I seltzers, saw that. the flavored seltzers, if you want to give that a taste. If you want to blend in at your party and don't want to drink, maybe that's what we drink at 7 a.m. now. Maybe I get me a can of the... The non-alcoholic seltzers and toast every morning in here. So it's just like seltzer water and flavored some fruit. seltzer water. If I'm guessing, is what it tastes like. Because there's a thing out there called flavored seltzer water. That... Yeah, I understand, Bob. <laughs> they don't pay us. And, that's a, that's and, a good and White point. Claw does. So I'm not talking about the other flavored seltzer water. I'm talking about the non-alcoholic White Claw. I think it's a smart soft pl- seltzer. That's a smart play by them because a lot of people. Then you got the can. You got the. Yeah. You know, I yeah. get it. I follow that. A uh, little Tennessee news. Fifth-year right guard Javantez Spragans announces yesterday that he is returning. So the Tennessee offensive line, pretty bolstered up. Pretty bolstered up. You know, working. You got your tackles now solidified. Do we know what we're doing at left guard yet, Sam? Uh, I think the left guard spot is probably going to be an open competition. I think right now Andre Carrick probably has the lead in that role, but I think that's probably going to be a competition all throughout camp. Okay, so you got to figure out the left guard position. But outside of that, you got your tackles with Zaylen's Hurd transferring in, John Campbell moving to right tackle. You got Cooper Mays at center. Hopefully Cooper Mays is healthy the entire year and you know, he just kind of kind of hits the ground running there. And then, yeah, now you got your right guard back in Javante Spragans, who played 11 games for you last year. And I was looking at some of his stats. And, you know, he was a guy good enough to not give up any pressures at all against Georgia, which, I mean, that, that's pretty good in dealing with that interior defensive line. He's a, he's a very solid, reliable option there. So Tennessee should feel good about four of their five spots. I saw Elijah Simmons said he's coming back too, but obviously he's, a, he's more of a reserve. I mean, does he really factor in at all here or – I mean, Tennessee's going to have six, seven, eight defensive linemen they feel good about. So, I mean, you know, that's that's a position, obviously, where the more guys you've got that can play, the better. And I still think he'll be an option, you know, there for uh, some some rotation and, and some short yardage stuff. So, yeah, is it something worth noting? That's what I, yeah. Not a starter, but you'll take as many grown men on the defensive line as you can get. Some senior leadership in that room, maybe. You know, I feel like you got a lot of young guys kind of on that D line, but mm-hmm. yeah, he'll be kind of a rotational piece for sure. Getting Spragans back, though, is massive. Yeah. That's a guy that maybe could have snuck his way into the draft, like in the back end this year, but, you know, another year of production. And I think he's he's going to have a pretty, pretty good chance of getting drafted next year. Yeah, I don't know how to really, like, you know, predict those older off uh, older linemen and where they get drafted but like he's probably a guy that gets a chance like on a practice squad and like and now i mean with the spring football league being an actual thing 
you know, like he's a guy that would have a chance to play professional football. But hopefully he got a nice, you know, at least a nice little stipend of NIL money to come back and and to, uh, you know, add some veteran leadership on the offensive line because Tennessee, Tennessee does have that. You know, they do have some veterans, some guys who have been in college football for a long time. And, and unlike, no disrespect if he's listening, Ollie Lane, you know, it's, a, it, it's veteran leadership that is SEC caliber starting offensive lineman. You know, when you told me that six-year guard Ollie Lane was going to be starting last year, it's kind of like, oh, that's <laughs> – that, again, no disrespect if he's listening, but that's kind of like that shouldn't be happening in year, year three of Josh Heupel. Now you tell me that, you know, Campbell and, and Cooper and Spragans are back. And I'm like, okay, that's veteran offensive lineman. That's Groman offensive lineman who could also play at the SEC level. That's pretty good for the right side of your offensive line. Yeah, and to me, that's a group that, you know, I mean, you're bringing in Nico, and obviously he's going to be starting for the first time, and I think, you know, everyone wants to make sure that he's protected and everything like that. You get one of the most experienced offensive lines back in the SEC this year. I think it's, you know, and and getting Lance Hurd, obviously, with John Campbell willing to move to right tackle, I think you're going to have two of the best tackles in the SEC, and then, Obviously, a guy like Spragans is huge on the interior along with Mays. And so, I mean, I think you got to feel great if you've got a five-star freshman quarterback coming in with four or five offensive line spots filled. Five-star sophomore, sophomore. quarterback now. Thank now, you. Yeah. We, we had to sit through that freshman year. You could call him maybe a red shirt, but I'm, I'm choosing to call him a sophomore mm-hmm. quarterback because if I call him a freshman, it's going to feel like last year was even more wasted, Sam. So at least I'm going to say you have a sophomore quarterback. Correct. Sophomore quarterback. Now, I will say that, you know, a lot of people have said that offensive line wasn't good enough last year, and that was part of the reason they couldn't play. But I do think that everyone would think and kind of agree that this offensive line has improved. Like, the the idea is that the offensive line will be better than it was last year. Also, you went back to Lance. Are we going Lance or Zaylance? I'm going Zaylance. I'm going Zaylance Hurt. I'm going Big Z. That's our new Big Z. That's our new Big Z. Yeah, you guys want to talk about Big Z from Kentucky. I'm going Big Z as Zaylance Hurt. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go with that. He had that on his graphic when he committed. So Big Z? Oh no, no, Zaylance. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen Lance and I've seen Zaylance. I'm down for Zaylance. I saw a lot, I can of, throw I saw a a lot of Lance, but I'm going Zaylance. I'll throw a Z in there. Yeah. Sounds cooler. Big Z. <laughs> so yeah, the offensive line should be experienced and improved, and you know, you will have to worry after the year about kind of rebolstering that line. But that was part of the reason why getting Zaylance heard was so big. Was that you know he's a, at least a two year guy, you know he's a he's a sophomore, so like you know you should have him at least for his junior year as well. And if you have a a good left tackle, that's a pretty good starting spot in terms of building out the offensive line. But it does make to me this 2024 season maybe a little bit more uh, stressful and important. And this might be like your shot. You can't say, oh well, Nico's a sophomore. We'll get back our junior year you might actually have your best shot this upcoming season as sophomores. Yeah, I think you might be right, honestly. Which, by the way, Bob, did you see uh, Greg McElroy? 
on his oh, podcast. Yes. Did you talk to your boy oh, Jack Foster, Foster about it? No. And, and asked because Greg McElroy, I saw he had Tennessee going. At first, he's like, Tennessee's got a 15% chance to make the playoff. And I was like, okay, that feels a little low, but let's see here. And then he's like, yep, they're going 8-4, and four, and that gives them a 15% yeah. chance to make the playoff. And I'm like, hold on. First of all, 8-4 and four <laughs> seems really low. And I've seen people keep saying that that's kind of where Tennessee's going to be projected as if they're not going to take a huge step forward after getting a quarterback that can actually play. But then I was like, 8-4 and four gives you a 15% chance of making the playoffs. That seemed even dumber than saying he thought Tennessee was going to go 8-4. and four. Well, that was him also, I guess, he, he mentioned there's an upside of 9-3, and three, which I'm like, I think that's the floor, honestly, is 9-3. and three. I think maybe they're 10-2. and two. And, you know, it, it, it surprised me. It was... I have not talked to Jack about it, but uh, um, hey, man, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I just I don't agree with that for sure. Is Greg mad? Is, is Greg mad <laughs> about you know Tennessee passing Alabama now? Is he mad that Alabama is just neck and neck? Because I mean, he still talked. He's like, you know, I don't know if you can beat Georgia. I don't know if you can beat Alabama. And I wanted to be like, hold on, Greg. Yeah. Those days are done, as far as I'm concerned. There's no more Georgia and Alabama. Now, Greg, it's just Georgia. It's just Georgia. You don't, you don't get to keep sneaking in Alabama among the elite until DeBoer comes in here and proves it because I don't view them the same way. Do you? No. I think they're I, I do think they're gonna be good. I mean, but sure. but not not elite necessarily, not out of the gate at least. I, you know, just like any coach, he's gonna need a minute to kind of shape it to the way he needs to. Do you expect Tennessee to beat Georgia next year? Uh no. Do you expect Tennessee to beat Alabama next year? I think yes. I See, that, that, there's the difference. Yeah. And, I, and I know one's home, one's away, but like, even if Tennessee was going to Alabama this year, I think you would have the same answer. I would. I would. And there's the difference. And that's why Greg McElroy can't keep sneaking in the Alabama and Georgia thing because I think every Tennessee fan here is going to expect to beat Alabama this year. I was I, – I, again, I listened to it. I was like, I'm trying to – who did – did he specify the fourth loss? He didn't. He, and he, it was weird because he had basically said the rest of the schedule is pretty manageable and was saying that, you know, even the trip to Oklahoma, he thought Tennessee could win. So I was like, well, how are you getting to 8-4 and four if, you're, if you got Tennessee beating Oklahoma? Yeah. Yeah, I'm losing that. He's like, yeah, easy games, you know, Mississippi State and Arkansas. Okay, so I'm like, okay, you're saying all these easy games. So how the hell do we get to 8-4 and four and a 15% chance? Because, like, the analysis wasn't that far off in terms of, like, okay, the schedule's easy, but, like, the rest of it, I was just like, well, how, how did you get two plus two does not equal one? I don't, I don't understand that. It equals four, Greg. Need to get some tweets going after him uh, because that's what we do, and that's what our leader does, Danny White, Dr. Danny, as I call him, because he has patched up and fixed everything at Tennessee. He, he came here with a tall task, and I think he has – Met and exceeded expectations. You see the billboard in town calling Knoxville the nation's premier, you know, college town, college town USA. And uh, there is some truth to that. It's a top level city when it comes to just like entertainment and just being, you know, having a college and comparing it to other actual college towns. There's actual stuff to do here. But also, like, Tennessee is good at everything. So, Dr. Danny, to me, has done a bang up 10 out of 10 job. Yet he always has to deal with some complaints and. I guess the new complaint is uh, arguing about the student section at basketball games. That's what we saw yesterday. And, uh, yeah, before we went to break, I said it too. You know, he fired back. Some could say that's a little thin-skinned. I don't think so. He gets so much of this. And I agree with what you just said. He's done 
from my measure, he's done an amazing job so far. That environment I was at Saturday for the basketball game, it was it was fantastic. And I've been in enough arenas, I'm sure you have too, where the vibe is not like that at all. And that's a big place too. It's not just some small band box that only has seven or eight thousand, which those are easy to fill up. Uh, this is this is what it what did he say fifth largest arena in the country, or third, third, um, sold out for the season. And you know, I I just I, I don't understand why people are complaining. I mean, I I just don't get it. Those are people who are just finding things to complain about. Clearly. Sam, I reckon you haven't made it to a game yet as a student this year, right? I haven't gone to a game yet, no. Um, he said he moved the student section, to which he said, hey, we moved the student section already. Yeah, yeah, it got moved last year, I think. Right, we, we moved the students actually from the corner to behind both baskets. Says it opened up uh, lower bowl seats by 40%, brought in another, another you know, 450 seats, which... That can't be accurate. His number can't be accurate there. I mean, like it seemed like a big uptick in in seats. After oh, maybe he meant for students. Okay, maybe. Okay. He, oh, he is made, that what he's saying? Surely he means for students because like, he says he increased the number of lower bowl seats from twelve seventy nine to seventeen seventeen. And I was like, well, it's seats, you know, twenty thousand people. So the lower bowl obviously <laughs> sits, seats more than seventeen hundred people. But maybe he's saying the students you can fit seventeen hundred students in there now. Maybe that's right. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I think it is. Okay. Is that he's created more seating opportunities, which would be more revenue, um, and uh, then you know because with the students, as you know, Sam, you can kind of just pack them in. You know, they're all standing. Up. I've I there's well, been, I'm creating a revenue. I don't guess because I mean the students get still get into yeah, basketball. Get I'm talking no. What I'm talking about is the expanded seats in the lower bowl. Okay. Well, that's what I'm asking because yeah. he says he expanded lower bowl seats, but it says from 1279 to 1717. Yeah. And, like, that's only 1,700 seats. Like, I mean, obviously, Thompson Bowling's seats 17,000 or, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm asking, if he, is he saying he increased seats for people to now buy, or is he saying he just can squeeze more students in? Because to me, it sounds like he's saying he can squeeze more students in. I think you can. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. I think I think that's correct too. Okay. Um, my I guess would open up some seats to, to yeah. sell and make a little bit more money. Yeah, which that's one thing Danny's going to do is make more money. Absolutely. As a part of Tennessee bragging about hitting 200 million dollars in revenue, is like, hey, you know, just my brilliant vision of saying, hey, we're going to charge basketball ticket holders the same as football and make them pay a donation. That brought in an extra like 13 to 13 million dollars. How about that? You, you have to pay going to bring in money 200 million the level of sophistication with this university and athletic department changed so dramatically once randy boyd came in then danny white came in donde plowman in between i mean they're they're operating at a high level it's like a it's definitely like college sports is now it's a business that's really how this thing is operating and and i think but what i'm seeing is i think other than, you know, ticket prices probably, you know, it's just the way it goes. They go up and things like that. That never changes. But I'd say the experience for the fans, by and large, you're hearing some people complain, but by and large, I think it's much better than it has been. I haven't made it to a game this year, so I, I can't comment. I do know people still complain about the speaker system and, and Sterl the Pearl out oh. there screaming around, bouncing around. So I don't know about the game day. <laughs> Uh, environment and how that's affected that that makes the speaker system a problem quite I, honestly i know tennessee still wins almost all their games at home 
I know they have a good atmosphere, and I know that the big games still get sold out. So the ticket prices haven't cut into that yet. So until it does, yeah, you're probably not going to uh, have your complaint met with much seriousness. It's probably just going to be like, yeah, it's okay. You'll be all right. Watch. We, we'll, we'll, for the big games, we'll, we'll put you out. You know, we'll do some type of watch party out in the out in the field for free. We'll, we'll let the paying people come here and pay. But don't worry. Stay at home and watch the game because we still got 20,000 people in here and we're still winning and having a good atmosphere. I was going to say, I sat. There's a couple times when I go to games, I'll go down and, just for a minute because the ticket folks won't let me stay too long. But down near Press Row where the Rocky Top Insider guys are. And I'll just sit on the step where you know adjacent to the row where they're working and so across from me is all the student section and i mean it's it's pretty awesome man if it's a sold out environment and you've got it on both ends i i i just don't see the problem i think it's great so you like the both end change sam as a student did you like it last year being uh, you know just behind the goals yeah i think it's decent um are both th- behind the goals standing only too right is yeah that right? it's standing yeah. only yeah i think maybe kind of the big thing that some students are upset with is that like the overflow just gets thrown into the top and that they'd so like that's something a complaint, right is yeah that, i the, think the, that's is that maybe a big portion than. so according to danny 1717 students can sit in the lower and 2166 sit up top yeah or the numbers he put in his tweet so yeah. like that's the complaints uh, i guess right is i think so People want the atmosphere. People think if you take those 2,000 people from the upper deck and put them in the lower deck, the atmosphere gets even better. Yeah, I think so. If you elaborate on that for a second, because I wasn't even aware of that, that. So you're saying that there's ones that go up higher? Yeah. More. More go up. More go higher to the upper level than oh, actually that, stay lower. Okay, now that sucks. So, like, you've got to go out and obviously, you know, it's free tickets, so it's just, like, get in line at the, in the you know, the morning right. before the game. And you're so not going to get any uh, sympathy from me because that's what we had to do, too. So oh, yeah, yeah, no. You're not gonna, I, I don't do that. My friends had to get out there and wait. I, I never went either. I was like, you yeah. guys go. I did it maybe twice. But yeah, I'm not a big waiter, but. This team's you know, also better than any teams I get to watch. Too, <laughs> that is so true. I might, I might wait a little bit more That is for true. This. But, yeah, I mean, you just wait out outside of the stadium, and then that's when most everyone fills up the sections behind the goal. But if you don't get in those sections behind the behind the goals, like that probably fills up in the first 30 minutes of, of the gates opening, and then everyone else just spills up into the into the upper sections, like the 300-something. And how do they manage, though, since they're just standing room spots, how do they really manage, like, okay, we have enough? I mean, is it – I think they've got some ushers down there that so take, just, like, numbers. They're keeping count. Yeah. Is this okay. – do you still get wristbands for being lower level? You might. I want to yeah. say in my yeah. day you got wristbands for I feel lower like level. You do. And then if not, like if you were a certain number in, I remember them just handing us three hundred level tickets to be like, your seats are up there. And mm-hmm. a lot of times you'd get kind of stuck behind up there, up there in those sections where the obstructed viewing kind of is too. Yeah, yeah. I've also seen that people want just like the student sections behind the bench. I don't. I think that's more of a, a smaller gym environment. I don't know if you can do that. Kind of like Florida does, right? Like yeah. Florida has the student section kind of there on the sides mm-hmm. and, and good lower-level seats. Now, Danny, as a businessman, is going to say, hey, those are high-dollar properties. We're not yeah. going to give those away. It makes sense And students aren't going to want to pay $10, $15 either after being used to getting for free for basketball. So, Yeah. I think it's a pretty solid system overall, and I think you still have a great atmosphere there, you know. But like, it could be rowdy too, probably if you if you changed a couple things as well. I do think if you're looking just for atmosphere, bringing two thousand students from the upper deck to the lower deck would enhance the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But also think, 
Dr. Danny is going to look at the bottom line and you take those 2,000 seats away for every home game, that's, you know, what, a million dollars? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, He also yeah. probably sees that, like, I would assume that attendance is obviously not as high, you know, from students to basketball games just as it is football. So, sure. like, if you bring 2,000 kids down to the lower bowl but then, say, seven or 800 of them don't show up to that game, then you've got the lower bowl kind of looking like you're not sold out or something like that. And and for me, a paying customer, if I had an option to buy a lower-level ticket or an upper-level ticket, and I was more likely going to be, be stuck in the upper deck, I'd just stay home, too. Yeah. So, like, yeah. It, it's, it works both ways. But I did like that he was like, okay, fine, I'll answer, and I'm not going to address <laughs> it again. We're not moving the student section again. Enjoy behind the bench or enjoy the upper decks. Get to the game on time because uh, we're going to make money and we're going to be electric and – we have the third largest basketball arena in the country, and we sell it out. Maybe, you know, if the basketball team takes some steps back in the future and all of a sudden those sellouts quit happening, maybe we readdress it. But for now, things are good. Wrapping up local news, shout out to Todd Helton. Worth a mention in the first oh, yeah. hour. Becomes the first Tennessee baseball player to be inducted into the college baseball hall of, uh, excuse me, to the, to the MLB Hall of Fame. Yeah. Which, the first... Tennessee player and only the second SEC player to be in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. That stat blew my mind. Who? Oh, yeah, the second was Frank Thomas. The, yeah, yeah. Frank Thomas is the only other Hall of Famer in Major League Baseball from the SEC, which blows my mind when you consider how good SEC baseball is. I mean, I guess for these guys, it's not getting – the longer you stay in college, the better you are at college, the less likely you are to have a Hall of Fame career in, in the pros, I guess. I, I don't know, but – I think SEC baseball mind. has been a mod, like, I don't know. It's more, I think, in the last, like, 20, 30 years kind of sure. thing. Like, those guys are not maybe eligible for, for Hall of Fame yet. Either okay. still playing or, like, you know, you've got that period after you retire where you've got to wait to be eligible and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know, like, you know, what the SEC was like in the 80s and 90s. I mean, I know, like, LSU was, a, you know, <laughs> I know LSU was really good in the 90s. You know, I know LSU was really good in the 90s and won championships, but maybe those guys, they didn't produce any MLB talent or – it is hard to make the Baseball Hall of Fame, too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah. I, I get it. I Absolutely. just thought it was crazy that in its whole existence, only one other player had made the Hall of Fame. But shout out to Todd Helton, Knoxville boy, getting his bust and, and plaque. That's awesome. In Cooperstown. And what's also, I think, awesome is did it with one franchise, too. You know? Yeah. He just stayed. He stayed in Colorado, which, you know, is not – in MLB, that's not the sexiest location. He probably could have played somewhere else as you know, during free agent years and everything else, and he didn't do it. He stayed there, and I'm sure the Colorado fans were forever grateful for that. And, uh, yeah, it's a, that's, it's a great story. Um, congratulations to Todd. A 17-year career in Colorado. Maxed out in 2000, I think finished fifth in MVP voting. Got the Silver Slugger Award. Uh, has three gold gloves. I remember the one year, for a while, I guess it was 2000, where he kind of flirted with 400 for a little bit. Or uh, Him and Larry Walker always kind of, you know, that was a pretty good duo between those two. But, you know, the career high of 372 for Todd Helton in 2000. That, that's, that's an amazing batting season. Yeah. But congrats to him for making the Hall of Fame, Tennessee Baseball. Uh, now officially has a legend enshrined or will be enshrined in Cooperstown. Let's catch a break. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. 
Good morning. Still some back roads out here that could be a little bit dangerous, so be careful as traffic volume increases up and down Kingston Pike right now in the Farragut area, especially around Concord Road as traffic builds now northbound Alcoa Highway up by the flea market as that traffic continues to pick up through Alcoa, leaving Maryville still not bad, 75 out of Campbell County. Hey, over 46 years of uh, experience, Omnia Roofing serves your Northeast Tennessee premier residential and commercial needs. Check them out at omniaroofing.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in with Inward Half. Did you find all your books for class? Yeah, let me just get my wallet. You should try adding your card to your digital wallet. You can use it for everything. Everything? Books, food, coffee, everything. Get a debit card with your Knoxville TVA Employees Credit Union Spend Account and add it to your digital wallet. It's the only card you need. Get the debit card that earns rewards at tvacreditunion.com. Join us, join us now. Federally insured by NCUA. Well, I could tell you she's a bad idea for the good it would do. Back on the morning show, 865-546-8200 if you want to weigh in. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's grab Roberto. Roberto, top of the morning to you. Morning, gents. Morning. Hey, man. Hey, you guys have hit your stride. This is great stuff, man. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. Um, yeah, Todd Helton. Uh, John, you said that was that blew your mind, that stat about uh, the college, the, the SEC only having two players essentially in yeah. the Hall of Fame. I was astonished. Yeah. I'd never heard that. Um, because the SEC, and I would imagine that given your market, there's probably a lot of baseball fans in your, in your core group of uh, listeners, but – SEC baseball, if you're not familiar, it makes SEC football look like child's play as far as how good it is. And to hear that kind of blew my mind. But then I thought about it. If you're an elite, elite, elite baseball player, you're probably not going to college. Right. That was the only thing that I would say was kind of kind of stood out. Is I, I guess that's what's happened even back into the 70s, Right. Yeah, I'm looking. There's a list I saw someone put up of the best Major League Baseball players from the SEC. Uh, the only other guys that might have a chance, I mean, Rafael Palmeiro, I guess he was kind of stopped by yeah, steroids. Much, yeah, he's in the roids, and he admitted it. So. And, and, and Tim Hudson, I guess, is the other guy. Mm-hmm. He's an Auburn player. Maybe he gets in at some points. Ian Kinsler, yep, I don't feel like he's a Hall of Famer. So, I mean, yeah, there's not even a lot of people. Will, Will Clark, maybe? Yeah, Will Clark also on that list. That that's probably the one when when I heard that it was uh, when somebody said yeah there's only one other one and he kind of did the trivia thing. I knew Frank Thomas was in there, so I guess I knew the answer. But I was I was sitting there going, it's got to be Will Clark. He had a Hall of Fame career in the M- MLB. Why is he not in there? Yeah, I think we want to make the show about that. No, that surprise. I, I would I would agree that surprises me. You know the the one guy coming out that I remember that had so much hype and he'd never panned out. 
uh, in the professional game has turned into a great TV analyst was Ben McDonald. Um, it felt he was like, great. Yeah, it felt like he was going to be a lock to be like Hall of Fame caliber major league player, but just, out of out of LSU, you mean when yeah. he came out of LSU? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that guy. If you never got to watch him, John, you're probably too young. That yeah. guy was a total freak show. He's everything that they, uh, as far as pitching, that they thought Shohei is, or it, they thought he was everything Shohei is. Yeah. So, um, well, guys, uh, quickly, I'm just, I'm just really happy for Todd. He's a class, class human being. I don't know if you've ever had interactions with him. He's very benevolent. I've said that a couple times this week already, but he's an extremely benevolent guy, and he would never tell you that, which shows you that he's truly benevolent. He's a good guy. Um, he's a hard worker. He's a family man. He makes his mistakes like the rest of us, but he owns them too. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just really happy for a local guy made good. I mean, guys, this is a guy when I was really young that I got to go and sit and watch him play baseball and football. And I'm sitting here now, a, a guy that's literally watched this guy grow up into a Hall of Famer. It's just so cool as a, as a fan. I don't know if you're both from here or old enough. Bob, I know you're not from here. But, like, it's just a a swell of local pride, and our community deserves it, too. So I think everybody should take a victory lap today. Guys, thanks for the time. Dalton Connect for National Player of the Year. See you. Appreciate you, Roberto. Thank you, man. Yeah, no, I I was too young. I mean, I remember Todd Helton on my MLB video games, you know, growing up playing those, you know, 97, 98, and, and knowing he went to Tennessee and, Thing. It was crazy that he actually played quarterback at Tennessee. And I was like, wait, how, how the hell is he a Major League Baseball player after playing quarterback at Tennessee? And, you know, getting familiar with that. But, yeah, outside of outside of my video game experience, I mean, I, that was the only kind of childhood memories of Todd Helton other than just kind of keeping up with his stats. He was a guy who preceded Peyton Manning, right, for a right. game or two. He started yeah. a few and then got hurt. Um, he's also got an elite goatee, I will say that. it's uh, He's got one of the best ones I've seen. The video coming out of his ceremony yesterday, I don't know if you guys, either one of you saw that when he got the call. Uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. His daughter runs up and gives him a big hug and was very happy for him. And I believe that was his mom. I don't, I don't know if that was his mom or not, but there was an older lady sitting there that he gave a hug and said, we did it. And Yeah. Wholesome. Wholesome. Nah, that's a great story. Very good. Oh, Rafael Palmero. <laughs> Undone. Undone by steroids, which was, again, the – you know, kind of the conversation around the voting another year is like great Gary Sheffield gets left off and people are like, How the hell does that happen? But you know, he was linked to Balco, so the baseball writers who take themselves more seriously than any other group in in the world said they're not going to let anybody in, I guess, except David Ortiz, who has been linked to steroids. So Yeah, Sheffield just lost his last uh it was his last chance mm-hmm. to get in, right? Yep. That was so, his last year. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that is something. That's uh, got to be a terrible feeling, too, on the other side. You get nominated for multiple years, you know, to go to the Hall of Fame, and you just hope that you're making it, and you just never get in. They have the thing after what? They revisit it after 20 years, and the players can vote them in. Is that, that how it goes, I believe? I don't know what it is for baseball. Yeah, I don't either. I, I think there's a – I think – well, I'm, I'm pretty sure there is a – after a 20-year waiting period, okay. the, your peers get to actually vote you in, and the, and the baseball writers lose their, their I guess – Stranglehold on it, so maybe some of those players get honored, you know, later on. I believe that's how it works. Any other thoughts? I guess from the last segment on Tennessee and Danny White. I mean, I don't have much more to add about Todd Helton other than happy for him. 
as Roberto said, happy for the community. It is kind of cool that a, a Knoxville kid is able to to do that. It's a big honor. No, nah, I don't. I'm trying to, I'm, I was just trying to think of Danny White again. You know, I I do recall it wasn't that long ago. One of the the biggest um, endorsements or fan acceptance moves he made was bringing the Vol letters back for the football stadium. It's a simple move, but it, it's beautiful and like yeah. beautiful. It, it it I'd give Danny a passing grade. I mean, I give him high marks, more much more than a passing grade. I give him an A for what he's done here. I mean. I don't know if there have been any real missteps. I thought it was I thought it was a misstep. I thought it was a little I don't want to say embarrassing, but I kinda of rolled my eyes when he's like, Hey, text a buddy, you know, that whole thing and and, and his movement there to like not kind of face his, any criticism online and stuff. But like overall his message was correct. Like, hey, especially in this era, negativity online is driving perception to some prospects who may be online. And if they see that and, and they're getting hate or they see negativity, that could affect and maybe you're better off to text a buddy. I understood the sentiment, but it's like, hey, you just got here, bro. Like, hold on. You just got here. Not only did you just get here, you also, like, your move was like, I'm going to bring the coach that I already have a relationship with, right? Like, it was like, hey, we hired Danny White, thought of as one of the best athletic directors in the country. He's going to run this big search. He's going to be powerful. Okay, he struck out. He missed out on a couple of coaches. And, wow, he didn't go land James Franklin, even though it looked like he might get James Franklin. Okay, so he called Josh Heupel, the guy he already knew that reportedly he was kind of trying to get away from at Central Florida because that was kind of the narrative around there. It was like Heupel and and Daniel have a great relationship, so that's not going to happen. And then next thing you know, he's announcing Josh Heupel, and everyone's like, really? That's it? You brought your McDonald's from home? (laughs) His start was choppy for sure, and you know this fan base too. They're pretty unforgiving. So, I mean, it was uh, good on him for, you know, he stuck to his plan uh, for the most part. Maybe Hypel was a bit of an audible, but um, it all worked out. I mean, that's some of the things we see with, you know, if you look at some of the coaches that have come in here, uh, I think I think a Butch and and even Pruitt to a degree, you know, pretty thin skinned. It doesn't work, man. You've got to you got to have some conviction, right or wrong, and stick with it. I think we see that now with Heupel. We see that with Barnes. We see that with Vitello. There's a there's a common thread now with all of that, and I and I think it's reflective of how Danny operates as an AD too. Yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously the the Josh Heupel hire has worked out much better than I think anyone would would have right. thought and. I'd imagine if you asked Danny White the truth and he gives it to you, it's worked out better than he thought as right. well. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't think he envisioned a, a year or two like, you know, Tennessee had yeah. or to be set up. But, you know, maybe you could say, hey, by year four, we'd feel pretty good about being a, a potential playoff team. Maybe, like a top 12 team. Maybe, maybe like Danny White said, that was my vision, and I think Josh could have done that. Maybe. But up until this point, it's been better than I think even he thought. Text a buddy. Text a buddy, he says. I can't think of any other, like, any missteps, though. Like, I mean, I, it, you could argue that you made some fans mad about uh, this, the way he handled football season tickets and kind of getting rid of some of the people who were grandfathered in and, and breaking that contract, you know, with, with people from the 60s. They're like, hey, you give us this $500 and you're all, you know, going to have to pay another dime for your seats. Then actually get in here and just say, ah, never mind, we're not going to do that. But, like, everyone my age was thrilled about that because there were plenty of people my age that were finally able to buy season tickets and be able to afford them. Like, 
being able to sell out those season tickets before Josh Heupel's first season at $600 a pop for lower level. Like, that was obviously a really good move to bring in a new generation of Tennessee fans. Yeah, make no mistake about it. It's, and I'm not a football season ticket holder, so I imagine it's even – it is more magnified. But as a basketball season ticket holder, it's like – you got to really love basketball to to have some decent seats. It's uh, you know because... that's not that's not the case with football though. Like whenever yeah. he opened those up and like kind of you know took away the people who had had them in their family for a long time and said, hey, either you're gonna have to pay with a going rate for them or or give them up. A lot and of people walked. A lot of people like you know didn't want to pay the four or five thousand dollars they're gonna have yeah. to because they had had such good seats. So that just kind of created a domino effect. And yeah, like I mean, there, it was six hundred dollars a ticket for a lower level. That's good. Including your donation, like before the before the 2021 season, and you know those pretty much immediately sold out. And now there's a huge wait list, and the people who were able to get that, you know, got in before it was too late. But now, you know, now there's a wait list, and it's gonna be hard to get some moving forward. But yeah, no. Ba- to me, football is a much better value than basketball at yeah. six hundred dollars a ticket versus fifteen hundred at least for for basketball, which is what they charge for lower yeah. levels when I looked. Yeah. The uh, the other thing too is again stood by his conviction in terms of. You know, the football stadium, there's always the bragging rights about capacity and all of those things. And, you know, uh, the, you know, Neyland Stadium went backwards in capacity. But for, you know, I think the thinking was better experience for the, the customers, some of which are going to pay a lot higher dollar, et cetera. I just think that it always feels to me there is a bottom line approach to everything. There is no question about that, but it just feels – it's it's no different than what's going on all around the country, quite honestly. I mean, that's just how it is. Sure. And, like, right now everything is really good, and maybe it stays that way. You know, you, I do wonder about the expenses and the affordability, again, if the teams start taking steps back. But right now you have a top-level football program, a top-level basketball program, and a top-level baseball program. So keep raking in the cash and investing that cash, as he said, back into those facilities and things. And, you know, he said that was pretty much what they were going to do with their $200 million was just keep investing in the the facilities and trying to catch up there. So no complaints about anything Dr. Danny White has done so far. Quick thing. I know we're heading to a break, but we didn't get to talk. But quick thoughts on this entertainment district thing he's building. I mean, because it's going to be at the expense of some parking and some other things. I feel like, yeah, I mean, like, unless you're a high-dollar season ticket holder, parking's already terrible, so. Yeah. I, I I don't have a parking pass, so parking's already terrible for me, so that doesn't really affect me. And, you know, that's just the the trends in, in sports is to yeah. build entertainment stuff around the around the stadium and improve that atmosphere. You saw, you know, down in Atlanta with the Braves, and you'll, you'll see it. Basically, every stadium that's built, the Titans have said they're going to try to do that, too, with their new stadium. Yeah. So, We'll see how it works and how it's executed, but I got no issue with it. Uh, Adrian Beltre and Joe Maurer joined Todd Helton in the Hall of Fame. Those are the other two guys that got in. Hour one of the books. We'll kick off hour two with Sam's What You May Have Missed from the Night Before. Stick with us. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio.